The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is the jail visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. Hey, we're live. All right. Ooh, one of those days, huh? All right, yeah, we are live. Cool. I am Bill Amadeo from McMass Amadeo and Grable Associates and Shiawassee Six. Six. Got the Latonsky sentence. You had you shared your views on that earlier. You are really you're pigging the punishment, aren't you? When you think it's warranted. Yeah. You are so Republican. <laughs> Um, live audience here sharing his views and he, he's a brilliant guy to live audience he really you call me out though when you think I need to be called out I appreciate I that so with the Latonsky sentence we're going to talk about the punt god Matt Ariza the Buffalo Bills or formerly the Buffalo Bills because he got screwed over um, when me too goes wrong and let's give a quick shout out to Jim Gallagher James Gallagher was a public defender in Washington County. He is going to be the judicial attorney for Judge Arian Slay. And I think that's a great hire. Jim Gallagher, a fair man, hard worker. Learned a lot from watching him in court. He was there before I was doing criminal defense work. And Judge Slay, I can't say enough great things about her. And the funny thing there, people have said to me, what do you think about her being on the bench as a prosecutor? I think she'll be extremely fair. I don't think it's going to be because she's pro-prosecutor or because she's friends with me. She's going to call it down the middle. And that's what we want from a judge. Judge Arian Slay is going to do great things. In fact, that 15th District Court where she was working, Judge Valvo, um, Judge Hines before her, Judge Marion Perry, um, Pat Chase and Karen Finney down in probation in the mental health court, uh, they just, Tommy, who works for Judge Perry, they just do it right. You know, the 15th District Court is a model for the way district courts should be run. And I, I always appreciate working in that court. I don't work there a ton, so I'm always dealing with felonies, and that starts in 14A1. But uh, 15th District Court always had class-style fairness to it. Always appreciate working there, and Arian Slay, now Judge Slay, was a big part of that. Absolutely. She implemented tons of great programs there, and I can tell you what Judge Slay, when punishment is needed, she's going to delve out punishment. When rehabilitation's needed, she's going to dish out rehabilitation. When a case needs to get dismissed, she's going to dismiss the case. What more could you ask for from a judge? Speaking of judges and again Jim Gallagher congratulations you're gonna be a great judicial attorney over there with Jim Gallagher as a JA and Judge Arian Slay I think Washington Circuit Court just took a great step really good people and I appreciate them um punt god Matt Ariza so Matt Ariza the punter who was destroying it in training camp gets cut from the bills because he's accused of rape years ago, a delayed reporting case. And now we find out the authorities, the district attorney's office out there says, we don't have enough evidence to charge. 
I mean, isn't that funny? Imagine the concept, guys. A prosecutor not charged. They don't have evidence. Wow. Jesus. That's something to learn. I mean, I guess, um... I guess if there's civil litigation involved, then yeah. that could we could just care about politics. The prosecutor's position this is one of the reasons I respect Scott Corner, I respect Scott Reen, I respect Carolyn Henry so god much, is because it's such an important position, right? The job of a prosecutor is to not get a conviction. It's to prosecute justice. Which means the following. When the evidence is there, you go after someone. When the evidence is not there, you don't go after someone. That's one of the amazing things about Angie Borders. Because Angie Borders is like a mentor. And she wants to bash my head into the wall sometimes. I'm fighting so hard. But she always tried to do the right thing. Sometimes that right thing means sending somebody to prison for 25 years. Sometimes the right thing means dismissing a case when the evidence is not there. Novel concept, right? Yeah. Yeah, I swear, man. So, Matariza, here's the great thing. And I say great in the most facetious of ways. His case is dismissed criminally. But he's still not punting in the NFL. Because the media destroyed the kid. So now he lost a year of punting in the NFL. He may never get a job in the NFL. Even though he's not guilty. And ironically, the alleged victim in the case is suing civilly. Wow. It scares me if civil litigation and prosecutors are working on the same team. If that happens, that's screwed up, right? Thank God we don't have that in the no. justice system. No. Unbelievable. This is such bullshit. You know, Judge Simpson said today, or not today, but I was sold on YouTube. I had a hearing before Judge today, but... I saw his tribute to Jim Gallagher, and he said nobody could ever have a bad word to say about Jim Gallagher, and that's true. Jim Gallagher is a great guy, and again, a great addition, but I'll tell you what. Here's where me and Jim Gallagher are different. There's a lot of people that say a lot of bad shit about Bill Amadeo. Um, this is one of the reasons I'll never be a judge. I just, there's no filter here. I'm not mature enough for it. I'm a damn good criminal defense lawyer. And... When I look at the black robe and the JAs and I see people like Judge Slay and Jim Gallagher, I feel better about the system. When I see Judge Matthew Stewart and Gregory Geeson, I feel better about the system. And let's talk about the Latonsky case today. Because you know what? It doesn't matter if you're a prosecutor or a defense lawyer. What we should all be striving for is justice. Not politics, right? So today, the Latonsky sentence came down. And Judge Stewart gave Latonsky life in prison without the possibility of parole. I mean, I hate to say it, but very appropriate sentence, right? Joe Abair and I were debating this. Like, what about the death penalty in Michigan? What do you think about that? I, I, I'm pro-death penalty. Oh, yeah. I think there's certain crimes when there's evidence to convict that the death penalty just makes sense. I, I really, I'm not against it at all. Why not have the death penalty when it's warranted? It's warranted when there's evidence to convict someone. And Scott Corner kicked ass today. I mean, he advocated for life in prison. 
And Mary Cartier is a defense lawyer. She's a damn good defense lawyer. I knew her when she was a research and writing professor at Cooley. She's one of the best advocates in the state. Great lawyer. But despite that, I mean, the facts were he did some horrible stuff. The competency issue is fascinating. I know certain people like the Attorney General's always get upset about the issue of competency, but we have to make sure somebody is competent before we convict them. And it doesn't matter if you scream on Zoom about it. The reality is we have to all be on the same page. I have never seen... Well, let me stop because I'm about to go down a road where, you know, just let the truth speak. Yeah. But I, I'm a firm believer in making sure somebody's mentally competent. And Latunsky was competent at this point, And he's getting life in prison without the possibility of parole because the punishment did fit the crime in the circumstance. This is a case where in certain states the death penalty would have probably been an appropriate remedy. Yeah. You know, that's where we're at right now. You know, And my political views are all over the place. But I mean, let, let's be clear. The eye for the eye theory... I mean, there's times death penalty is appropriate. There's times dismissal is appropriate. And, and I will say this. Here's my theory on things. And I do prosecute cases periodically. You guys know about that. When the evidence dictates a prosecution is warranted, we should nail them. We should take no mercy and we should scream about justice not being blind. So when I'm a prosecutor on a case, and I think the person's guilty and the evidence dictates that belief, I'm going balls to the wall. But if the evidence is not there, it's wrong for us to prosecute. I mean, let's face it. Ten guilty people getting off is far better than one innocent person being convicted and it blows me away how certain innocent people just fall into the wrong side of politics well that's okay we'll address that soon enough stay tuned guys can't wait i mean i mean how have you screamed at me on youtube and you know i am I apologize that I had a child and I was exhausted from the gym because I've heard some rumors lately that my uh, personal life caused me to have to get some adjournments. Really? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, uh, jealousy, isn't it? Yeah. I'll tell you, man. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Jealousy. Yeah, sometimes we got to break those Prozacs in half, right? Yikes. Yeah, I'll tell you, there's some people that really hate me out there. Yeah. Hey, you know... Understand something. Being a zealous advocate does not make you an ass. What actually makes some people ass is when they prosecute without evidence. But, you know, hey, six of one, half dozen of another. We all have a job to preserve justice. We all have a job to zealously advocate for our sides. We all have a job to follow the evidence, not create the evidence. And you know, it's funny, because some of the people that don't like me, they could not have survived a week in my old neighborhood. And that led me to believe the transition into Ducktown. 
Let's talk about DuckTown in the 90s. Oh my god. The memories. Nothing quite as fun as being the only white kid in your neighborhood who's undersized, and that's what it was back then. But, um, we're talking about different places. To understand DuckTown, it was the ghetto, okay? It was totally ghetto. I remember Trishay Duckworth one night said, it doesn't matter if you were poor, if you were white, you had privilege. Well, Trishay, you didn't live on Willow Avenue in 1990. Because let me just tell you, man, I know you don't like me, Trishay, and it's fine, because, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and give you too much kudos, because I'm sure you need your PR desperately. Um, with that being said, when Trishay Duckworth said I was privileged, if privileged was living in a war zone, then I guess I had the world by the balls. Holy sh**, man. I hope you're doing well, Trishay. But you, just like I can't understand your plight, you could never understand what it was like where the hell I grew up. Or the shit I endured. Let's talk about some of that shit. There was one way in and one way out of Willow Avenue. And your biggest thing is when drunks would turn left on Willow Avenue. Because they didn't know which way to go. Remember, my cat Timmy died when I was 15 because a drunk hit him with a car. And, you know, it was funny. Losing an animal as a child... Especially like that. Because you realize if you were in the suburbs, it wouldn't have happened, right? Losing an animal, getting stabbed, getting shot at, getting almost raped, and somebody's going to sit there and tell me that's white privilege? Oh my god, lady, please, stop. And Trishay, if you ever want to come on Facebook and debate these things with me, I'll be happy to do so be happy to do so and you know i'm sure some people would love to send you some emails that aren't complete and love to share my views on things but um yeah i've heard you say some things about me lately and it's fine trisha it's cool you want to compare our life stories we could do that but i guarantee you it's not quite as one-sided as you might think the journey from willow avenue to lord road has been brutal and I take cases pro bono when I believe in the cause. I can look myself in the mirror every day. Can some of the people that you associate with do the same thing? Can they? I'm curious. It's one thing to walk the walk and take the case pro bono and go to Green Mile when you believe in an issue. It's another thing to turn your back on that issues when elections are over. But, you know, white privilege, baby, right? Give me a break. The only privilege we had on Willow Avenue was that I was starting to learn how to escape God's brutality. But let's talk about Willow. Jitney rides were fun. Oh, I love them. You know, you'd get off the Jitney and you'd run home. How many times had my Walkman stolen? And here's the thing. You got off the Jitney on Pacific Avenue. And then you had to walk past Atlantic and Arctic and go down your little enclave. In that enclave, there was Chelsea Avenue School. There was the Atlantic City Bus Station. We'll talk about those places soon. But um, while you were on the Jitney, it was like you had this feeling of safety for a moment. 
but you knew once you got off, you'd get killed in a heartbeat. Get destroyed. And the Jitney presented more anxiety because in my world, what I always felt was leading up to a war is worse than when you're actually in the war. Because once you're in the battle, it's like being in a football game. Once you get hit once, you're just in, right? But when you got off that Jitney, you knew. Here we go. Are they going to kill me? Are they going to stab me? Are they going to try to rape me? Are they going to try to hurt my animal? Are they going to try to steal the three bucks I got in my pocket for lunch? Is that what they are going to do? And they means the neighborhood. Because it wasn't just a black or white or Hispanic issue. It was social economics. And so often in life, we don't realize it's not just about race. About income. If you're poor, you gotta fight. Bottom line. That's reality. And those jitney rides were brutal. Patsy Wallace Gym. That was right next to our house. And it was a gymnasium where senior citizens used to go to eat. And was basically, if you were poor enough and couldn't afford lunch, you went to Patsy Wallace. As you could imagine, people got mugged outside of Patsy Wallace and robbed. Right. It was safe during the day, but at night, there was like these walls with special type of gravel around them. And they were hiding spots. Because next to Patsy Wallace was Pitney Village. Pitney Village was a god war zone in the 90s. It just was. Right. Every Friday and Saturday night. And it happened all the time. But on Friday and Saturdays, you used to hear these cannons, right? Boom! It was somebody getting shot. Somebody getting killed. I look back at Pitney as great motivation. Because my aunt my mom said to me, if you don't get us the hell out of here, this is our life forever. So there was such fear. And where we lived, there's this little tiny row home. And there's this brown picket fence. And it was about 10 feet high. And I don't know how to jump that fence to survive. But that was the dividing line between Pitney Village and our house. So technically, you didn't live in Pitney. You lived adjacent to Pitney. And the Pitney population knew you were there and it was violent i mean there were times armed robberies happen and shootings at our house and all that good shit for sure um yeah that was good times man white privilege right yeah there was nothing privileged or white about pitney village in the 90s one of my saddest moments on social media is i tried to join the pitney village group there's a group on there because, I mean, I, I actually knew some of the things, and it, I was rejected. <laughs> it's weird, man. Have you ever seen somebody get shot and bleed out and die? And you call 911 for them? And you try to help? And did you ever see somebody who committed that murder stare at you? And you're under the belief that they're going to try to eliminate you and your family because you're a witness? Because I guarantee you, some of my enemies, you didn't see that shit. You think you know me? You only know what I allow you to see. And there's going to be times for me to reveal certain aspects of things when they're needed. 
but stay tuned on that one. Choo Choo's Bar. That was a classic. This dive bar right on the corner of the house where young kids would go there to drink underage all the time. I used to see the Margate idiots come to Choo Choo's Bar to get drunk when they're like 16 years old. When they got their ass kicked by the locals from time to time, it was always, I thought, well, I mean, you're assuming the risk, right? But uh, Choo Choo's was interesting. I never went in there. But I'd be walking out of your scruffy late at night. I see these morons driving up in our neighborhood. Think, what are they doing here? What are they got to get drunk? Right. You know. The Alki. That's where I learned to box. The Alki is where I was offered a cut of the $10,000 to make a drug run from two kids that were there, and I didn't do it. And one of those kids is dead, one of those kids is in prison today. The Alki, to me, was salvation. They used to go in there and just hit the bag and learn how to split a jab and throw a good right hook and just survive. Always be grateful to the Alki. By the Alki was St. Michael's Church. And the neighborhood had changed. Changed so much. Because St. Michael's, in the 70s and 80s, I'm told that if there was an Italian that lived in Brigantine, Atlantic City, Ventnor, Margate, they all went to St. Michael's Church. The church thrived on that was an Italian parish. St. James was an Irish parish. Um, by the time I'm in high school, the neighborhood had changed, and like the Italians from the suburbs stopped coming in. And as the church fell apart, they shut down the school. St. Michael's looked at it with sadness. She respected the church, but you knew it was a part of the environment. The church was not going to survive because the neighborhood Urban Blight just took over. The Latin Kings and the Pitney Lions were two of the biggest gangs at the time. The Latin Kings used to come to Georgia Avenue and Texas Avenue, which were streets right next to Willow Avenue. And a couple of them used to have this thing called a toll, right? You had to pay money to walk down the street. Yeah, that was good. Um, Trisha, I never had that happen in Ann Arbor. <laughs> but it was, you know, and you learned that if you paid the toll, you were a mark for life. So you had to not pay the toll. And when you didn't pay the toll, well, you can imagine what happened there. Yeah. The Latin kings weren't the nicest of young men. No. Uh, the Pitney Lions were different. They were a gang. And here was the thing with the Pitney Lions. And here's how Lake City went. You had Back Maryland, which was war zone. Virginia Avenue Courts. Stanley Home Village. Uh, Pitney. Uh, Latin Kings were on like Texas and Georgia's Avenue, but it was like every gang had like their two block radius. That was their sphere of influence. And you know, it wasn't as sophisticated as the Bloods and the Crips in LA where they were like fighting for X amount of territories. Like these gangs had their small territories and shooting wasn't always the first option. It was all about who was dealing the most drugs and stuff. But this two block radius, like if you stay within those two blocks, it was like a respect theory, you know? And in Pitney, people were fighting to get in the Pitney because there was so much drug distribution going on in Pitney. You know, that was that was fun for me as a white kid there. Um, yeah. 
Nothing quite as fun as being a poor white kid next to Pitney Village in 1991. Good times for all. You know, so you learned how to deal with that. If you, and think of your options right now, a Latin king and his boys, Latin king, see you walking home on Georgia Avenue. And your option was to give them the $2 out of your pocket or deal with the consequences. And what you learned, here was my theory on life. If they're bigger, stronger, and faster than me, I'm going to charge ahead. So you learn at a very young age, I'm going to fight and get my ass kicked, but go down fighting. Because if I go down fighting, you might leave me alone. That was a philosophy for life. I'd rather have balls and lose a fight than be a coward and run away. Strategy played a role in this. And you were hoping to get stabbed or shot in the process. But eventually, after a couple beatings, they didn't ask you for toll money anymore. So there was a theory to it. There was a theory. Ocean One Mall was fun. That was the mall next to Trump Plaza on the boardwalk. And, like, GMO, that was this little Greek um, gang, which, guys, if GMO's watching, I mean, you guys were about as tough as a wet paper bag on a summer day. I mean, that was kind of a joke. When the G- when the Greek kids back there that were in the gang used to see the black and smash because they would run away, but in their own little world, <laughs> like, little two-bit gamers, like Spiro... Spiro was one of the ugliest kids you ever seen in your life, and he thought he was a big deal hanging with his Greek kids. And the Greek kids were like, there weren't many of them in Atlantic City, but they were like in the Chelsea area. They used to hang on the boardwalk and think they were tough. But then when like Pitney Lions or Ryan Kinski went around, <laughs> they were really tough by Margate standards, I'll tell you, man. You guys in the suburbs, you guys had swag. And seeing some of your Facebook, I see you're still living off that. Pathetic. But Ocean One was like a haven. Like kids used to go hang there all day. Drug dealing happened outside of it. Um, I remember when Use Your Illusion One and Two came out from Guns N' Roses, and I bought it, and I almost got robbed on the way home. And I risked going to Ocean One after school because I want these tapes so goddamn bad. They were uh, tough times. Trump Plaza. And here's where there's a warm spot for Donald Trump with me. I don't agree with everything Donald Trump does or says. You guys know that. But he did tell me to go to law school. And we used to see those big red signs from Trump Plaza. Because we lived, here's our house. And Trump Plaza's like straight ahead a couple blocks. And I swear to God, man. Those red lights blaring off the Trump Plaza casino was a sign of hope. It was a sign that you could do it. Because here in the midst of this ghetto and gang violence and these little tolls and these little wannabe gangbangers and the brutality of Pitney Village, here's this multi-million dollar gambling cathedral. And you thought to yourself, I gotta go from here to there. Now, walking was maybe a three minute walk. But emotionally, and the psychology of it was, it was a light year away. And I always appreciate it, Trump Plaza, because those red lights blaring down, you just look up and take a big breath and say, all right. To your left, you see the Trump Plaza sign, and to the right, you see the fence next to the Pitney Village. And you realize 
I'm smart enough to be caught between two worlds. I'm not going to get stuck here. I got to fight to get there. But the signs, that literally was the light at the end of the tunnel. Literally. The Trump Plaza signs. So, Donald Trump, President Trump. Man, I'll tell you. I'm always going to appreciate the fact you saw something in me. You told me to go to law school. Your casinos gave me hope. Gave my family hope. Aunt Mary used to joke that one day you'll tell people Donald Trump was your neighbor. And one day you're going to make it, Billy. And I I feel like that Trump Plaza sign, it was like, hope that okay. I could get there. Got the balls. I got the brains. I got the work ethic. But can I put it all together? It's like a case where there's so many PR violations, but can you mold it into the right thing? You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I do. Okay. You mold it. Because the facts are there, right? And I used to think to myself on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day as I was studying my god mock trial books, living in the god hood. Take a deep breath. You walk your dog. You look outside. You see a Trump Plaza sign. Okay, I'm going to do this shit. I got this. So thank you for that, Donald Trump. I will tell you, Hillary Clinton gave me the same advice. My God. Convention Hall was nothing more than an escape mechanism. Because there were ways to get home that were safer by going through certain areas of Convention Hall. And the New Jersey Transit bus station will end on that. Let me give you kids at home a piece of advice an old guy taught me once. When you're moving into a new area, right? Never move where the local bus station is at. Because where the local bus station is at means there's a depletion of social economics. And it's going to be a more dangerous neighborhood. When you move somewhere unfamiliar, stay the hell away from the bus station. I saw more sh go down at the Atlantic City bus station, that terminal, than anybody should ever see in a lifetime. So between the bus station, the danger of Convention Hall, the fear of getting off the jitney, the told you had to overcome with the Latin Kings, the concern about getting hurt from the Pitney Lions, the living in the god Pitney village adjacent to it, all that sh but there's Trump Plaza. Thank you, President Trump, for that. No matter what you say about Trump, I owe him a lot. And you may not like him politically. You may have your issues. But I'll tell you, when he sees talent, he encourages it. He doesn't try to destroy it. And if anybody's got a problem with me saying that, well, I'm not hard to find. But, you know, I appreciate that. I never thought I would be so grateful to the Trump Plaza red lights glaring down. But when I'm in a war, and I'm in a lot of wars in court, and there's that case where your delicate hands or politics is playing a role, and you're, all I think back is, you know what? This is nothing compared to what I've been through. And I feel some of those kids... Some of those innocent kids I defend that are being screwed over by the system, and I'm their hope. I'm their Trump Plaza sign. And I wear that like a badge of courage.
the jail visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is the jail visit on Shiawassee Radio. I had a reporter contact me the other day about a case I don't want to talk about. They said, how do you feel about this case? And I said to them, it's not easy being part of Shiawassee 6. This wasn't the Shiawassee case. I literally confused the hell out of them. So, Anyway, it's been a long day, hasn't it? I said who I was. I said what firms I work with. And I'm shamelessly plugging our firm at the hoodie. That we got all that under control. The live audience is going to do what they can not to chime in here, Chris. We don't know. What about jail visits going wrong? And I, since 2017, been known to do a jail visit or two. I partake. Um... Yeah, so anyway, tonight, what we're going to discuss is different jails and experience I had in each jail. And we have to make sure not to expose confidentiality, which we won't do, but there's been some fascinating stories. And what we'll do is we'll take it from the particular jail we're in, then I'll share some of the stories from that jail. Let's start Washington. It's the home jail, right? And I gotta tell you something. So you went at Washington, man. That's like the five star of jails. Cause I had been working in Livingston and Jackson and Wayne County. And back there, it, we'll get to those places later, but it was a different atmosphere. Before COVID, you got your cardio in when you went to Washington. She had to walk like a half mile down. Somewhere. Yeah, right. And then you see these inmates walking around. And at first, you're like, whoa. And then you, you start talking to them. Hey, Tommy, what's going on? They're after doing their chores. There was no concern. And um, Matt often came with me to the Washington jails. It's interesting because Matt don't go to court, but he will come to jails. And we noticed the basketball courts in the Washington jails were very nice. They're talking about having their Dungeon and Dragon tournaments on Sunday. And it really, I got to tell you, Washington, it's one of the more lucrative counties. But you compare the Washington jail to the Oakland jail, we'll get to that later. Yeah, exactly. Washington is the five star of correctional facilities. Well, I've had a few bad encounters there. One client was screaming at me one day about the macaroni and cheese. He called me, right? He called the firm. He's like, hey, it's an emergency. I need Amadeo here now. This is ridiculous. So I get there. It's after hours and chilling out. And I'm talking to him. Okay, what's going on? The macaroni and cheese is not cheesy. And the pudding is watery. Like, bro, it's 8 o'clock at night. I've been working, like, since 6. And you're calling about the food. You don't care about my food. (laughs) Trying to win the case. Um, and then there was the client capital case. And this guy had some psychosis, right? There were some issues there. And I, I don't always handle myself well in confrontational situations. And the guards hear me and this individual screaming at each other, like violently. And I throw like my notebook down, like you son of a bitch. Guards come out. But I think our favorite moment was when we brought a tax attorney 
to the Washington jail with us. We brought an attorney, nice guy, because this client had a tax issue. We were getting him out soon, won his bond notion, blah, blah, blah. And the tax attorney walks into the Washington jail, which, by the way, is located in Ann Arbor, not Detroit. And he's huffing and puffing. Like, bro, you okay? I've never been inside a facility before. <laughs> you still haven't. My God. Don't bring tax attorneys to jails. It was a weird experience, but I digress. So in Washington, the complaints were the macaroni and cheese were not cheesy enough. Oh, the eggs they were too watery. The pudding was too watery. Not enough syrup in the pancakes. The complaints in Wayne County were slightly different. Let's go to Wayne. So in Wayne County, there's two different facilities that normally happen. And in one of the facilities, they tell you, well, the attorney room's being used right now. So if you wait here three hours, we might be able to get you in. My favorite experience in Wayne County was with a nurse. I told this nurse that my client was not getting the meds he needed and she told me to shut my mouth and get the hell out of there. That was a good time. But I think my favorite one was the bar card drama. I go visit a client, right? And I'm like George Costanza with my wallet. There's like bar cards from like different years. It's like stacked up with all sorts of shit. So I hand the guard a bar card. This was in 2021. And I gave him the 2019-2020 bar card. So he said, this is not an active bar card. Because you are trying to lie to get into this facility. And all I'm thinking with this poor soul is, if I was going to lie to a guard, would I do it? To go up to the 8th floor at the new Detroit jail. <laughs> Lenaway, a little different. I don't think they like when you win bond motions in Lenaway. So, we got this client in Lenaway a couple years ago, right? <laughs> and he had this crazy astronomical bond. Because in Lenaway... The magistrate just puts a bond number out there. You don't have a chance to argue. So you got to go roll this rigmarole. So we win the bond motion. We get his bond reduced at 8.30 a.m. At 1, I call the guards. Hey, any idea when he's getting out? No, and they hang up the phone. I don't know if they're getting like extra tax credits for keeping someone there eight hours if you win a bond motion. But do not repeat Tread lightly if you get a bond reduction in Lenaway. Yeah, it's like a hotel. Did you steal a towel? Well, Stayed after 12, I see. <laughs> Jackson County was one of Matt's favorites. Here's the thing about Jackson County. I'm going to tell a couple stories about Jackson. J-Town's where it all started. The dysfunction began when Scott Grable gave me a case in Jackson County in 2017. And I was, I go to the jail, it's my first jail visit in Michigan, and I'm all pumped up, and I got my notes, and I got all these files, and you walk down, you see the drunk tank. So it feels like a jail, right? So this guard comes up to me, he goes, hey, 
I'm gonna send you to the library. I'm like, oh shit. I'm going to the library to visit my client. Let's make some magic happen. Let me talk about that library. <laughs> the library is this four by four room with a toilet in it. It's got a card table. It's got a card table. Two chairs. There's about 4,000 books in there. 3,700 of them are Bibles. And you're sitting there in this little room trying to discuss it. And like a guard's like got his ear to the door. Like, hmm. I don't know if I should talk about this privileged information with this guard here, but it was, um, yeah, the whole library thing. What's such bull****? You're all pumped up, you go to the library, you're, you're important now, right? Man, not so much. I wonder how much that was fun before. Here was the thing about Jackson that got really interesting. I'm going to tell two probation stories here, okay? The first probation story, and this is how I could rub people the wrong way. Matt and I are leaving the library in the Jackson jail. And we see a bunch of probationers against the wall, pissing in their urinals. One of them goes, hey, Bill! Like, oh, hey, what's going on? And Matt says, do you hang out with them? And I tell him, oh, I think that guy owes us money. Should I go discuss it right now? But the worst Jackson jail story, and I really, I lost a friend over this one, basically. There's a female lawyer. <laughs> and Tom. We were carpooling one day. She needed a car ride. And this particular female lawyer, whose name will not be mentioned, liked to date inmates. People that were released from prison. It was her thing. She was going to save them. And this particular lawyer, she's extremely sarcastic. Always talking shit, right? So we're driving by the probationers taking the piss. And I said to her, hey, which one are you buying dinner for tonight? <laughs> she starts crying. That was not good. Jackson Jail. Mm. Shiawassee's different. I think they do a good job with the Shiawassee Jail. But, I mean, some of the inmates, man, boy, does the word coward come to mind? And I've had some pretty brutal cases in Shiawassee. This one idiot comes to mind. He was crying his eyes out. I'm being mistreated in here. I'm like, okay, what's going on? Tell it to me. I don't get to go to my daughter's graduation. <laughs> Why are they doing this to me? They're prejudicing me. Why? Probably because you almost killed the girl and confessed to it. And there was your DNA on there. I don't think it was personal. But he would call the time. And what they, this one particular prosecutor did in Shiawassee, they would record the calls and send it to me. Just so you know, Timmy's talking about you. Listen to this. So I go call Timmy out. But we're no longer together, me and Timmy. But he will be back in the Shiawassee court soon. Trust me on that one. Then there was the, uh... There was the inmate that was having sexual relations with his girlfriend on the telecom during COVID. So listen, if in the Shiawassee jail, you should not have sex, I want to record it device. My favorite Shiawassee story, though, I got this guy an amazing deal. He was doing three months instead of 30 years. And he calls me and I'm like, hey, it's recorded calls. Be careful. What's going on? I just want to see who you're rooting for tonight. I'm like, what? It was a national championship game. 
And he told me that him and all his friends were going to watch the game, and they were so excited. He wanted to know who my prediction was for the college game of the year. And I thought to myself, huh, these are not the same problems that inmates in Wayne are facing right now. In Wayne, you can't get up to see your client sometimes. In Shiawassee, it was a battle over who gets the remote. Good job, Chi-Town. Chi-Town takes care of the inmates. It's almost like a minor league before I don't go to MTOC, and it's like, better enjoy that TV now, guys. <laughs> can't afford me, you're kind of screwed, right? Livingston County. I've had some interesting cases in Livingston County. Um, there was this one client. We used to do these visits all the time. And despite being a renowned criminal who used to brag about how tough he was, he was kind of, um, what's the word? Weak. So every time we were in the facility, there was this blonde, and she was an employee at the jail. And I said, man, every time we're here, she's like checking me out. He told me, no, she's not checking me out. You out. She's checking me out. And it turns out once he was released, those two developed a relationship. So I guess love can be found behind bars. Ironically, she's no longer employed there, and he's no longer living there. I think federal facilities are my favorite, though. You know, when you think Fed, hmm, it's interesting because the federal facilities, if you, no matter even if you're a lawyer, you cannot go there if it's not your client's day. Now, I don't know this. I'm kind of green at my first federal case, and uh, I go visit. And this guard starts screaming at me, who the hell are you? Oh, hi, I'm doing William Mama Day. Here's my bar card. What do you want me to do with this? Well, I'd like to go see Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith's time is Wednesday, 8.30 p.m. to 9.12 a.m. Every third Saturday, you could also see if there's a lunar eclipse. I know I'm being facetious here, but seriously, you have to know their number and then check to see what day it is. And they don't provide this shit online. I've been kicked out of more federal prisons than some of our clients have been kicked out of bars. Struggles wheel. Mason's always fun. Had this client in Mason, and the guy, he called me up. His family called me like, hey, we know you're expensive. You go visit him. He's got the money for you. Please do this for us. So I go there on a Friday night, right? The guy says to me, well, I don't have your retainer right now, but if you give me $2,000 today, you'll get $4,000 by Thursday. He had a get-rich-quick scheme. That was a good one. Saginaw. In Saginaw, when I went, I got a pen here. We used to have these Grable and Associate pens. What the guard would do in Saginaw is he would rip the pen apart to look for cocaine. And I see this guard, who's like four times my size, he pops the pen, he's searching for it, he's shaking. How do I know you got cocaine in here? Well, here's a couple things, but I never ran away from a fight in my life, but he wouldn't be the one I'd want to pick one with. 
This guy is juiced out, about four times my size, screaming, looking at my pen. Canton's nice. You go to Canton on the weekend. You get six guards that come in. Very polite. <laughs> but they're like, they're like feeling you up for weapons. <laughs> no, sir, I do not have a gun down there. <laughs> Every time I go to Canton, I get it's like the airport going wrong or something. Is it time for a captain? It's like, huh? I was here yesterday without a weapon, so I wear sweatpants the next day. I'm like, you see, there's nothing that matter. You get checked. Macomb's fascinating. And uh, Macomb, so I had a client there. Guy fired me, right? I was relatively young. I got him a PR bump. He's being processed, right? And he's screaming at me. You tell that prosecutor the only thing I'll do is a civil infraction up to $200. And I demand to be released today. And I'm saying, hey, listen. <laughs> we need to discuss your evidence privately. And he's screaming at me. And he tells the guard, get him out of here. He won't get my civil infraction for me. And all the guy was doing was being processed for a tether. It was the only time I got fired after winning a bond motion in arraignment. That went really well for him, though. I think I had, like, eight years on the table for him, and that was only, like, 24 years worse than his, better his lawyer got for him. But on the eighth year, that will send him, like, a nice bouquet of flowers sticking of you. Lake County. I think they think I'm Hispanic in Lake <laughs> I'm a dev. What are you doing here? You must be friends with Ravi. <laughs> okay, so first of all, Ravi is the one Indian lawyer out in the lake. And then the lawyer, the guard explained to me that me and Ravi are the only two people that come to visit people in Lake, which was funny because Lake was a three-hour trip for me. I still had to visit the person. I think one of my favorites, though, is the Huron Valley Women's Facility. Let me tell you something, guys. You walk in to the Huron Woman's Prison with a suit on and a bar card, you're the most interesting man in the world. A friend in me. Man, I tell you, I was that popular since hitting the home run in Little League. Jesus God. <laughs> anyway, I'm uh, meeting a client on a pro bono case, and... Make sure you have your two quarters, because if you can't put your stuff in the locker, you can't come in, and they don't give you change. Remember, I was really desperate. I didn't want to come back, and I said to the guard, if I give you $20, will you give me two quarters? And he says, well, no, but I'll give you a dollar bill. Doesn't help the situation. I'm just losing 19 bucks. What they can do, though, on attorney visits is you can get food with the client. They have these amazing array of vending machines. And we all need a $6 lousy ham and cheese sandwich. They got they got different varieties. They got a microwave. So I bought this inmate dinner, right? So I don't know how much food costs there. And I will tell you, um, 35 bucks goes a long way inside the women's facility. She was getting her Reese's peanut butter cups and this and that. So I'm sitting there. She's eating dinner. I'm trying to take notes. And she was like, oh, I'm going to scoff it away. Like, listen, 
I know you're hungry. I'd really like to discuss the evidence in this case. We're there for a while. And at this point, while she was impressed with my lawyering skills, I realized she just wanted to keep... Could you come back next week? Well, it's like free food, right? So I had like $5 left on this card. And the cards at the facility are only good for that day. What am I going to do with this 5 bucks? So she goes, hey, give it to my friend over here. So her friend is sitting there with her family. So I said, hey, here, there's five bucks left in this card. Go get a sandwich or something. And this guard comes out. What do you think? You're going to buy a drink for every woman in the room? <laughs> they threatened to kick me out for buying a woman. Like giving her a $5 coupon. I swear. There was no ulterior motive. Can you imagine? Only in Huron can $5 get you that much credibility with it. Oh, and lastly, the Port Huron facility. I don't know. It's an interesting one. I got this guy local time. He was facing serious prison time. It was one of those court-appointed cases. And I'm doing a favor for the PD out there. And But, I mean, it's, it's my case. So no matter what, I'm going to put the effort in, right? So I go there, and you check in. And I tell them... I want to go over my client's PSI with him. And they're like, yeah, he's up at 3 o'clock today. It's only noon. Okay, well, I want to review the PSI with him. But why? <laughs> He'll be over at, and Corey can do it then. So wait. I made a wait to court to review the PSI with him. No. If you give me a room, I can make him read. I brought two copies. So they start going through your shit. So really, PSI? Is this guy sneaking in like porn magazines? I'm like, no, it's a PSI. So you go up there. You're going over to PSI with the guy. And he's really happy with this. So you go check in at the court later, right? And the judge is like, do you need to speak to your client in the hall? I'm like, no, your honor. I reviewed the PSI right ago. Whoa, excuse me. You're quite the go-getter, aren't you? What are those lawyers doing? Do you not review this sh for court? Oh my god. Anyway, I think the Huron Women's was the best though. Yeah. The whole drink for everybody in the room. I mean, the guy's got to get Yeah. Gotta yeah. do that job. All right. So these are just some of the jail stories. I'm Bill Amadeo from McMadison Amadeo and Crable Associates and the Shiawassee Six. It's time to go back to work. Later. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the 
the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.